Welcome to the Christ Academy podcast with Jeff Wong, where you'll receive inspiring ideas and stories as we explore the journey of faith in Christ. All right, guys, heading into Acts 15. Today we're going to talk about leadership and authority. And we see this especially in this particular chapter. And this is what I felt like God was pointing out to me for our community this week. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to read the scriptures. We're going to go from verse 1, I think it's to verse 7. And then I got two quick thoughts for you that I think are is, is so relevant for today, so relevant for the things which, which we are dealing with as a people. And so let's head into it. So without further ado, let's go to Acts 1, verses 1 to 7. So verse 1 says this. Hey, by the way, let me give some context. So Paul and Barnabas, um, they're in Antioch. Antioch, if you remember, it became the the hub for non-Jewish or what we call Gentile Christians, followers of Christ, disciples of Jesus, followers of the way. And so they were there. And so we start in verse 1 with that as our context. So it says in verse 1, Their peace was disturbed, however, when certain Judeans came with this teaching. Unless you are circumcised according to Mosaic custom, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas argued against this teaching and debated with the Judeans vehemently. So the church selected several people. Let me just read this around the camera here to travel to Jerusalem to dialogue about the issue with the apostles and elders there. Okay, let me go to the next next slide, verse 3. Feel free to read this with me if you're not already. I'm going to read it on this screen over here. The church sent them on their way. They passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, stopping to report to the groups of believers there that outsiders were now being converted. This brought great joy to them all. Upon arrival in Jerusalem, the church, the apostles, the elders welcomed them warmly, and they reported all they had seen God do. But there were some believers present who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees. They stood up and asserted, actually, uh, Reuben, thanks for pointing out in the on the screen it says Acts 1, but it's not Acts 1, it's Acts 15. We've got the 5 in there. Um, so Acts 15, 1 to 7. So continuing on, the Pharisees said, No, this is not acceptable. These people must be circumcised, and we must require them to keep the whole Mosaic law. The apostles and elders met privately to discuss how this issue should be resolved. There was a lot, there was a lot of debate, and finally Peter stood up. And as you continue in that passage, you see that Peter Peter starts to describe what God had done, that God had, had called non-Jewish people to faith in him, and that God had distributed the, whole, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, so that these people were receiving the Holy Spirit. And so they debated this stuff, because the people who were very, very, very strongly holding on to old Jewish customs, 
they wanted to force those customs and those laws, laws from the old covenant that God had with the people of Israel, they wanted to force those onto the non-Jews. Later, someone, another leader, an emerging leader by the name of James, and there's been a lot of James, Jameses in the Gospels and up to this point, but this is, this is where we hear from James, the brother of Jesus, who wrote who most likely wrote the book of James, which is after the book of Hebrews in the in the New Testament. And we see James start to talk about something similar and to affirm what he senses in the Spirit. And so what we, we see all kinds of tension that's happening here, heated debate happening in Antioch as Jewish believers are trying to force onto the non-Jews all these customs, all these, the, the mosaic, when they say mosaic, mosaic means from Moses, the law from Moses, like the Ten Commandments and other laws that existed. And so tr- they're trying to force these things, including the act of circumcision as the sign of, your, of the covenant with, observing the covenant with God. But, God is making, he's shifting things around. He's making a change. But the believers, they're not sure what to do. They're debating each other and it's getting heated. Paul and Barnabas and others against other believers um, who believed that these traditions needed to be upholded by the Gentiles, by the non-Jews. And so they, did, they couldn't come, they, they, they couldn't figure this thing out on their own. So they sent, um, they they sent some of them back to Jerusalem to get word from the apostles and the elders, but also the, the congregation there. And so they debated there as well. And then some Pharisees stood up, as you can see in the, in verse five here. The Pharisees were a group of people. If you're not familiar with them, they were religious leaders and. They were very, 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 very into the law, into the Old Testament laws and rules and regulations, and they and they strongly enforced those laws and regulations onto the people. And so, as these Pharisees began to follow Jesus, some of them kept holding on to these these rules and regulations. Others that were Pharisees, like Paul, had a different point of view that these shouldn't be forced on non-Jews. And so so things got heated, even in the Jerusalem church. But as they listened to the Lord together, and as the leaders spoke up, we see that the leaders were able to give direction, and the people were able to receive that direction from the people. And then when they sent, when they sent Paul and and, and others along to the church in Antioch to give word, the people were pleased. The people were, were happy that they got some direction. Even though they debated it in a heated way, that they, were, they had peace, and they were able to receive the leadership of the people. And so today I want to talk about two things that I feel like are really, really important for our, our day and age. The first one is leadership. Hold on a second. I think something's gone wonky here. 
let's do this. There's a cup. Some of the slides for some reason have gone wonky. I'm just going to leave this one up, and, and then we're going to talk about these two things: leadership and authority. You know, in in this in this particular day and age, there's this movement to go against anything where there's a power dynamic, whether whether it's it's rebelling against authority figures, whether it's not recognizing the authority of people who've lived longer, who are older. Um, there's a there's a movement to go against and oppose the patriarchy, so to speak. There's there's a movement um, to go against anything where there's a power dynamic. So if white people, if the majority of people are white, it's becoming more and more politically correct to oppose anyone who's white. And if and if males have have been in power in a patriarchal system, it's it's now in vogue to go against anyone who's male. So the worst person in society that you need to escape the oppression of, it tends to be a white male. And then the more oppressed you are, the more kind of authority that you have in this in, in Western civilization, in Western in the Western world these days. And uh, in a sense, it's like what some would call the oppression Olympics. So that would be anyone who's a person of color. And then the darker you are, especially if you're black, so to speak, um, then you're hugely oppressed in terms of you're considered hugely oppressed in terms of race. Um, it used to be that if you if you're gay or homosexual, that you're oppressed and you're the you know you're the most oppressed but now it tends to be that you are well it was women and then it was people who are gay and then it was then now it's people who are trans and so if you're gay that's nothing compared to someone who's trans supposedly and so if you are a black trans woman then you you got the you in a sense you've got it made because you have the most authority in this world because everyone's trying to protect you and fight against like cis white males there's this the point is is that there's this 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 movement to go against any kind of power dynamic any kind of hierarchy and and when we look in the scriptures we don't see that when we look in the bible we don't see that we see an order to things and you know this early this morning i was watching something where it was it was talking about toxic masculinity and then one of the males that was in that conversation says that he he doesn't recognize that he doesn't recognize that he said that if if there's toxic masculinity masculinity which are teaching in all kind, in, in many universities now then you have to recognize that there's also there can also be toxic femininity which hardly anyone has thought about. And if that's the case, then there's, there's just, there's, there's good mas there's, there's good ways to be masculine and there's toxic ways to be masculine. There's toxic ways to be feminine and there's good ways to be feminine. And so wouldn't you just say there's toxic people rather than dividing us? I'm not sure if there's a need for that, but there's this, power dynamic that's in play but when we look at the scriptures we don't see that 
you could be male and you could be female and you could do you could you could live that out live either of those out in an evil way or in a good way in a righteous way in a holy way and we do see hierarchies we do see hierarchies when it comes to the bible and when it comes to the kingdom of god when it's we when it comes to god's design and guess who's at the top if it's a pyramid guess who's at the top it's god one of the posts that we put out this past week on for social sermons on our social media for christacademy.online on uh, tiktok youtube facebook and instagram i believe it i i think it it came out this past week or it's or, or it's about to come out but it talks about that God needs to be at the top. He needs to be the, the one that we worship. He needs to be the one that is God. He needs to be the one that is the leader. And when that happens, and, we, and that's why we seek first the kingdom of God and everything else follows. But when we, if, we, if we change that around and we remove God from being on top, maybe you remove him from the picture completely, or even if you move him just down the pyramid structure, the hierarchy structure, then things start to go awry. Things start to become chaotic. Things start to uh, begin to be in the wrong order. What happens when you take someone who's finite, someone who's a mortal, someone who's a human being, and you put them at the top, whether it's yourself, whether it's someone that you hugely respect, or it's a scientist, or it's the science community, or... or it's your political leader. What happens when you, when you put them at, to, at the top? What happens when you put your toxic boyfriend at the top? What happens when you put your girlfriend at the top because you live for her and she's your number one above anything and God is somewhere below? What happens? They don't have the brains. They don't have the wisdom. They don't, they don't have the ability to, to, to guide your life they don't have the ability to give you direction and wisdom for every aspect of their lives of your life. They make mistakes because they're a human being. God needs to be at the top of the hierarchy, and then God establishes leaders below him who lead other people, who lead other people, who lead other people. And this is meant to happen in virtually all areas of life. We need leadership. It's so important. You know, if you if God describes us as sheep. He describes us as sheep. And what happens with sheep? If sheep are left on their own, what happens to them? They get lost. They get in trouble. They get eaten. If you've ever seen that that video on social media, there's a sheep who's caught in this little crack in in these rocks. And and it, it, someone is trying to get that sheep out because sheep aren't that smart. They aren't a very. They aren't terribly smart. The guy gets the sheep out. The sheep takes off running, and he runs right back into the crack. It gets stuck again. Sheep aren't that smart. They need a shepherd. They need a shepherd. Are they going to get lost or something's going to go wrong? They need a shepherd to protect them too, not just to guide them. They need a shepherd to protect them from wolves, from bears. And in our lives, there's wolves. There's wolves that are supernatural, that are spiritual like the devil in the spiritual realm. But there's wolves that are human beings all around us. You can't trust every single person. There's all kinds of people who are good. There's all kinds of people maybe you'd say are bad. There's a whole bunch of people in between that have good and bad in them. 
They could be good in one moment. They could be bad in another. But the thing about God and the reason why he makes the, it, the, the best choice for someone at the top is because he's consistent. He's consistent. His nature is good. He has no evil within him. He can't do what is evil because evil is not in his nature. We have evil in our nature. We have a sin nature, the Bible tells us. And so we need to be subject to a leader who is perfect and righteous and able and capable and powerful and merciful and just. That's why God is at the top. But God also prescribes leadership for other areas of life, for church life. He has elders. In the case of the scriptures, we saw apostles. We read about apostles. Um, apostles, with that word used in two ways, the ones that walked with Jesus or had an experience personally with, uh, in person with Jesus, but also people who are apostles, meaning people who are sent out. The word apostle means someone who's been sent out. Sent out to establish churches like Paul and Barnabas did. And so, and then there's pastors who are meant to be shepherds. There's teachers who are meant to teach and so forth. God's given us leaders in that way. There's the elders. And then there's also deacons who are ministers in a sense. They go and they conduct ministry in different ways. And the church in Jerusalem and the church in Antioch relied on these forms of leadership. And God used these forms of leadership to give direction to the people. So God uses leadership and gives leadership, gives us gifts of leadership to use within the church. God also gives us leadership to use within relationships. You know, it could be said that marriage is a partnership. But then again, in a sense, marriage isn't a partnership. People, Two people might be of equal value, but two people can't be of equal roles. And if they are, they're missing something. Because when two people come together... One's meant to have these strengths and these weaknesses, another with these strengths, which are different, and these weaknesses that are different, and they compensate for each other. When I was back in, when I was back in high school and I was dating, and eventually when I, when I went to Bible college and I met my wife, not my wife at that time, but met Lil, who became my wife and the mother of my children. Happy Mother's Day, Lil. Um, man, we were different. We're so different. I mean, we're, we're similar in some ways and we, we butted heads, but we're so different. And I didn't know how to value those differences. I wanted someone who was so much like me. I played sports. I was an athlete. I wanted someone who was an athlete. I was an artist. I wanted someone who was an artist. I wanted, I wanted someone like me. I don't know. It's... it's it's almost like I was in love with myself and I wanted someone to be like a second Jeff. But that doesn't work out because I'm a risk taker. Um, and I, I need someone who's not a risk, risk taker so that we can measure, we, we could be more measured in our approach. I need someone who's not an artist because when you have two artists, you have two people who are super emotional and... and um, and two people who are creative, but you need someone in the relationship that's not creative, that's a checks and balances person. And so, man, we broke up so many times in our understanding how, how relationships should be. 
But as we got mentors in our lives, they started to help us understand. My mentor, our mentors said to us, Jeff, you're like the software Corel Draw for creating, and said to Lil, you're like Microsoft Excel where there's checks and balances. And man, it was so true. So we're equal in value as human beings, but we're different in our roles. And we had to come and adjust so that I could be the leader of our family. And that was, a, that was an adjustment to be made because Lil was a capable leader and still is a capable leader. And she was the firstborn in her family. I was the firstborn, so we butted heads so much. But she had to bend and be flexible. And, um, and, and she supported me and allowed me to lead because a family needs leadership. And, um, and she became the second in charge. And that's okay. In another situation for work, there's a, there's a work situation where I wasn't the one who was the leader. There's someone else who was leader and I supported them. Everyone needs to know how to lead in some way, but know how to submit and follow and support in another way. And so this is the biblical model. And ideally in the biblical model, the male should be the leader of the family because of the qualities that God has given them and the authority that God has delegated to them. And the female should be in a supportive role in that context. In a different context, that female could lead. And in fact, with children, the female leads. The male leads, but the female also has leadership. And that's... As I said, we should all be able to lead in different contexts and be able to submit and follow in other contexts. And and so this is the biblical design. I understand that not every situation can be exactly like that because sometimes there's an incompetent male or there's a super dominating female and maybe there's no way for you guys to do that. Or maybe you guys have to grow and transition into that. I don't know. But um, I know we live in an imperfect, an imperfect world. And you know what? more and more males it's becoming i should say it this way there's becoming less and less males who are cut out for leadership i shouldn't say cut out i should say who are capable of leadership because they they're they're not being developed they're not being developed because in our world i don't know if you noticed this but in our world today males are becoming more feminine and females are becoming more masculine all the to the point of where males are becoming women, so to speak, and females are becoming men. But we, when we do that, when, why do we need to do that? We don't need to do that. Our world needs masculine men. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have any feminine qualities. That doesn't mean that we're insensitive. We need good masculinity. We need good male qualities, and we need good female qualities. When the male and the female becomes too much alike, then you have weaknesses in that unit. Males need females. And so when males become too feminine, then you're missing something in that family. You need both the male and the female. You need male energy and female energy. You need masculine roles and feminine roles. And we are missing that more and more and more. And so it's producing problems in families. 
God's given us leadership in the church. He's given us leadership in families. And the great thing about leadership is that Jesus demonstrated it. And how did he demonstrate it? He demonstrated it as a servant leader, a servant leader that gives your life for those that you lead. And so whether you're a, a male in leadership in the church or perhaps you're a female in leadership in the church or if you're a male in leadership in your family or if you have like a, a family that doesn't meet that ideal and, and there's the female that is, is the ultimate leader in the family, whoever is that leader, you need to be a servant leader if you are a Christian leader. You're there to serve the needs of others and propel them. And you're there to give your life for the sake of those that you lead. And that's something I think that works well with the way that males are. Males want to protect. Males want to build. They want to give their lives. And so anyways, this is leadership. God's given us leadership and we need leadership so much in this day and age. And I, what I see the devil doing is the complete opposite of that. The devil is leading us to divide from each other. He's leading us towards disunity. He's leading us to women taking over and not having, not understanding their need for men. And as a result, men are afraid. Men are more and more afraid to get married. Excuse me. What I see for the future is that there's going to be less and less males that are willing to get married because the divorce rate is so high and because the whole system in our society is set up to be in favor of females. The females tend to get the kids if there's a divorce. The, f the females tend to get 50% possibly of what males make or whatever it might be. But that incentivizes males or disincentivizes males to get married, which is a real shame. Us males, we need to aspire towards having families and getting married, growing as a person, becoming a leader, learning how to lead, learning how to lead as a servant leader, learning how to lead with tough love, learning where soft and tender love needs to take place. And this is so necessary. Let me go back to the church for a second. You know, one of the things I really admire about this passage in Acts 15 when I read it is that no matter how hard the people debated each other, how vigorously they debated, they submitted to the leadership of the apostles and the elders. And because they submitted to that leadership, they were able to have peace and they were able to proceed together in unity. And that's what we really need. We need that more and more, especially with a culture which believes so much in our own personal independence. So leadership. We see that in this particular area of the scripture. And we need that so much in every, every area of our lives. So when it comes to your kids, develop them as leaders. But don't let them be the leaders of your family. Give them opportunities to lead. Give them opportunities to develop leadership characteristics. But they don't lead themselves. 
You need to teach them how to follow, how to submit. If they don't learn how to follow, how to submit, and to recognize leadership and authority, it's going to be very difficult for them to follow God. And so this is super important. Let's move on to the next point. I'm going to stay on the same slide because the slides aren't working for some reason. But authority is the second point that I want to talk about. Those elders, those apostles, they had authority. Their authority was recognized. That might be a better way to say it. The believers, they recognized the authority of those leaders. And because of that, those leaders were able to exercise leadership through the empowering and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and able to find a solution. So they said, instead of following all these rules and all these laws that were so, that, that were so oppressive to us and that we couldn't uphold, However, they showed us, you know, that there's a purpose to that. We find out in the writings of Paul later on that they, that we, we learn as we read that those laws pointed us to Jesus, that they point us to, our, to recognize our sins and our need for Jesus. But these leaders, these elders, these apostles said, hey, instead of all these laws, how about just follow these four? And they said to follow these four, because some of them had to do with idolatry, like having to do with other gods. Some of them had to do with with um, not not participating in sexual immorality. I think that those leaders would have the same message for us today. Don't give in to these gods. Don't give in to this sexual immorality. Don't give in to these things. And perhaps these four particular rules were also given to to help them to be able to relate to the Jewish Christians. And so with all those it was the believers were able to to recognize the authority of the apostles and the elders whether the people debating were Pharisees or if they were they were Gentile Christians and in the end they were able to proceed and to have peace and to have unity. And we need so much more of this kind of peace and this kind of unity because everything is dividing us. When we look on social media, social media algorithms feed you everything that you that you ready that you already enjoy and that you like, whether it's this perspective or that perspective, um, this perspective on on COVID, this perspective on politics, this perspective of of this or that, and and. Social media keeps feeding you what you want. And as a result, people are in their own thought bubbles. And they never get to have conversations with people on the other side. And as soon you demonize each other. And there's more and more divisiveness and disunity. We see that. And we see the same thing when it comes to our religion. That we keep dividing and dividing and dividing. And we have all these denominations. You know when you have a... If you have a $100 bill and you want to break it up into smaller denominations, like you just keep breaking, you break it up. And it's the same thing with Christianity. It's so broken up. The early church, eventually the East and the West divided. So we have the Orthodox Church and we have the Roman Catholic Church. The Orthodox Church in the East, the Roman Catholic Church in the West. And for those of us that went to the, the community social this past this past Friday, we got to meet an Ethiopian Christian, part of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, which is awesome. It was fantastic to talk and, and compare notes. But what we see is this authority. 
we see this authority that ought to be there, but we keep dividing because we can't give in to the authority of the leaders. And so the, from the Roman Catholic Church, there's another division which sparked the, the Reformation. We, we had the Protestants, but the Protestants couldn't stick together. And so there's all kinds of divisions between the Protestants from Baptists to Pentecostals to Missionary Alliance to literally hundreds of denominations. Even within the Baptists, there was Swedish-speaking Baptists and German Baptists and this Baptist and that Baptist. I think in Greater Vancouver, I think there's, if I remember correctly, there's about five or so Baptist denominations. We just keep dividing and dividing and dividing. And the devil wants us to divide. But if we would just be able to understand authority, understand leadership, then perhaps we could have some unity. We could have greater unity. And so, as we close, I want to challenge us to take a hold of and to understand better God's design for leadership. That there is a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy with God at the top. And that leads, if we're all submitted to God and working out His design and agenda, that we're working, working it out and leading out of God's design. Sure, there's going to be human mistakes, but that's way better than having a human at the top. And if we learn to, to submit to authority, that involves our humility. That involves our followership. You know, in the Bible, we see so much more followership than we see of leadership. But it doesn't name it in that particular way, but we need it. It's so important. So in our church, we need leadership. And we need followership, followership that submits to authority. In our families, we need leadership. And we need followership that submits to authority. A part of that leadership structure is a dad, but it's also the, the thing that we celebrate today. It's mothers and motherhood. And so the children need to submit, learn, need to know and learn how to submit to leadership and authority that loves them, that, would, that serves them, that would sacrifice their lives for them. But that does have authority. And so this is God's word for us from Acts 15 today. Thanks for joining us.